Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Welcome to Encounter. If you're new here, just a huge, huge welcome. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to be with you today as we kick on with our series on the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. We're in the third week, and this week I get to preach on Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. I'm very excited, hence the bread. It's not just a personal passion. It is just a personal passion, but it does tie in with what I'm preaching about, I swear. Now, why are we doing a six-week series on the Lord's Prayer, you might ask? Here's why. We want to be able to equip you and empower you to pray effectively and efficiently in your life. We want you to know that not only are we building our church on a foundation of prayer, but you can do this in your own life. Because this is a prayer that Jesus has given you, has equipped you with, and it's something so simple to do. We're going to contend in prayer as a church. We're going to pray our way into a better kingdom. And one habit that we are doing during this series is we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And this is an ancient practice that goes way, way, way back to Jesus' time. And uh, it's something we can do to connect ourselves with the church throughout history but also with each other, because we're all looking at each other through a screen. Lockdowns are easing, but you know, there's a lot of screens going on. So today we're in our lounge rooms, in the room where we are. The team's going to do it with me. We're going to stand together and say the Lord's Prayer together. The words will be on your screen, except for the team. You should nod up a heart. We're going to give it a crack. All right, let's repeat it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. So I am more excited than anyone has ever been to preach about Bread. I love bread. And we're going to dig into this, give us this day our daily bread. So with apologies to the gluten intolerant in the room, I've called this sermon carb loading. Carb loading. So get around that. Now, why have I called it carb loading? Really, really simple. Because a carb loading diet is a strategy to just improve your athletic performance for endurance events by increasing the amount of fuel stored in your muscles. Now, did I copy and paste that off a personal trainer website? Of course I did. When I carb load, it's by accident, not on purpose. But here's the thing. I think we are trying to carb load spiritually, right? We are trying to carb load for these spiritual events every week instead of focusing on our daily bread and the one who provides us. So here's what I want to tell you, church, everyone in the room, everyone at home, everyone listening online and on the podcast, here's what you need to hear. I want you to forget about bread and think about the baker. Forget about bread and think about the baker. So let's give a bit of context for today's text, hey? Jesus has been preaching to crowds of people who are following him. And these people began to follow him as they saw miracles in Jerusalem. And they follow him to the countryside. And and there are crowds. There are crowds. So he goes up a mountain to be with his disciples. You know, you just want alone time with your mates and 5,000 people follow you. So relatable. So relatable. He goes up the mountainside with his disciples and 5,000 men plus women and children. They name it as 5,000 men. That's how they counted it in those days. Sorry, that's just how they did it. So we're probably looking at something like 12 to 15 
5,000 people chasing after Jesus. And so the Jewish Passover is approaching, and he looks around at his disciples and he says, we've got to celebrate Passover. Do we have enough bread? And the disciples look at him like, you've got to be kidding me. Look how many of the thousands there are here. And, but there is a boy with five barley loaves and two fish. And they pass it around, and everyone is miraculously fed with 12 baskets of leftovers. And the people see this as a miraculous sign, and they seek to make Jesus king by force, so he withdraws to be by himself. Then he walks on water, which we're going to skip over this week. It's a big thing to skip over, I know, but you just go back and read it. It's amazing. He walks on water and gets across to the other side, to the town of Capernaum, and the, and the other side of the Sea of Galilee to be with the disciples, and people follow him there as well, amazed at the miracles he's been doing, amazed at the miraculous provision he's done. And so they gather around him. They've been chasing him to Jerusalem, to the countryside, up a mountain, around a sea. And they gather around Jesus and they say, Jesus, Jesus, what have you got to tell us? And Jesus, loving, gentle, kind, Jesus rebukes them. He says, you're looking for the wrong things. And they said, what are you talking about? He says, you're looking for bread. And they are confused, but accurate, accurate. Why? Why is Jesus rebuking them? Well, to understand this, we've got to understand just how significant bread is in the context of the Bible. See, the bread, it signifies God's provision, God's presence. And we have to go right back to the Exodus. Because in the book of Exodus, Moses is leading his people out of Egypt through the desert into the promised land, okay? Egypt, desert, promised land. It was meant to be a simple progression. took 40 years. And because Pharaoh won't let them go out of Egypt in the first place, there are a series of plagues. And finally, we have the final plague, the death of the firstborn son. Now, to avoid this fate, the Jewish people are instructed to celebrate what's known as the Passover. An unblemished lamb was killed and its blood spread on the doorframe of the home. Standard public holiday, am I right? Then the Jews cook and eat the roast lamb and cooked the unleavened bread, you know, flatbread, and the angel of death passed over their homes. That's why it's called Passover, sparing their firstborn son. Now, this becomes an important annual festival for the Jewish people as they remember what God did for them, passing over. When God spared them from death and liberated them from slavery, this is so important to the Jewish people. But as they get into the desert... On their way to the promised land, they've finally been liberated. The Israelites have a realization. They don't get meals the way they used to in Egypt. Oh, sure, in Egypt there was slavery, but there was lunch. You know, yes, our children were being killed and put in indentured servitude, but the dinner was not bad, you know. Like, have you tried the food? It's good. And so we come to this passage in Exodus chapters 15 and 16 where the Israelites finally discover water and they are thirsty and they start to drink it and it's bitter and they complain. And by the way, this will become a theme for the rest of the Bible. They begin to complain to Moses and they say, would you cry out to God for us? We need good water. So Moses cries out to God and and God gives him an instruction to pick up this wood, throw it in the water and the water would become sweet and they could drink the water. And so that problem's averted, and they get to this sort of little oasis place, and there's plenty of water, so they're fine. But they're like, now where's the food? Oh, and they're literally saying, I wish we were back in Egypt. Slavery, was it so bad? Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it is. But sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind. 
you forget the things that were bad when you come into something else. You forget the problems that were behind you, and you get stuck in the problems that are in your present. And this is what the Israelites had. This is what the Israelites had. They said, Moses, where's the food? Cry out to God for us. Get us some food. So Moses like, oh, fine. Starts praying to God, and God provides them with this bread. And this is what God says in Exodus 16, 4. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. And God does exactly that. He provides for them day after day after day after day with fresh bread, which they called manna. And it's a fine, flaky substance found each morning on the grass. And they found that every Israelite had, catch this, exactly what they needed. So if you were a bigger family, there was enough for you. If you were a smaller family, there was enough for you. There was exactly what was needed. And any time the Israelites tried to collect more, it would be bad by the morning. If they were trying to keep some for the next day, it would be bad by the morning. But God on the Sabbath would provide double for them, and that would not be bad the next morning. There was a supernatural provision going on from God for the Israelites. They literally were getting, what church? Their daily bread. Their daily bread. Manna from heaven. So if you've ever heard either of those two phrases, your daily bread, manna from heaven, that's where it comes from. And so when Jesus tells his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread, he's reminding them of the provision of God. He's reminding them about the provision that saw their ancestors fed in the desert day after day and their daily needs met. The provision that allowed them just enough to keep trusting in God for the next day. Right? God wants you to remember him. That's part of the problem that we begin to think we are God's. And so Jesus is reminding his followers with this saying that it's not just about having food on the table. It's about trusting God for provision in and out of season. Doesn't matter if your season right now feels like you've got a lot. It doesn't matter if you feel like you've got a little. It's not about your mental state, your emotional state. It's about trusting God consistently in and out of season. This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. He says, don't be ashamed to pray for whatever you need. Don't be ashamed to pray for whatever you need. Why? Because God knows what your daily bread is, what your needs are. And they're different from other people's, and that's okay. Pray for your daily bread. So in those seasons of need, just cry out to God. Just do it. Just cry out to God. That's okay. Now, there's a second message, though, linked in this phrase. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you ever wonder why it doesn't say, give me this day my daily bread? Because there's a sense in which we are called to participate in God's work of serving and loving the entire world. That when it says, give us this day our daily bread, we need to be able to go out and share it with those in need. If we have more, that is part of the call of God on our life. We have to be able to share it with people in need when we have more. The abundance that God gives us is not for us, it's to be shared with others. So anytime you see inequality in terms of wealth and poverty, look directly at yourself and ask yourself, what do I have? Don't go about pointing fingers at other people with justice. Point the finger at yourself. Get your heart convicted. Get your heart transformed. We don't need you going on and being a social media superstar about other people's problems. What is your action? What is your response? What is your heart transformation, church? That's what God's calling you to. So trusting in God for our daily bread, being a part of providing for others, give us this day our daily bread. Back to today's text. 5,000 people fed by Jesus at the Passover, and they want more. 
But as Jesus said, what they want is not God, but food. They want miracles. They want provision. But Jesus is trying to give them something different. He's trying to point them to God as a father. He's trying to point them to the provider. He's trying to help them understand that the lack is not their daily bread. The lack is the provider of the bread, their relationship with God. They want provision. He's trying to give them provider. It's a totally different paradigm. Totally different paradigm. They come looking for bread. God wants to point them to the baker. It's a very different thing. So he starts to lay it out really clearly for them. He says, don't work for the food that perishes, but work for the food that lasts for eternal life. Now, I've got to tell you, I love eating. I love to go out to restaurants, which was a thing we used to do in the olden days before COVID. <laughs> I love that. But I've got to tell you, the meal I love the most in all the world is the next one. Because as soon as the last one's finished, I'm not all about going, man, can we just take an hour or two to appreciate that meal and think thoughtfully and reflect on how much that fed me? Do you know what I mean? Like, it can be the best meal ever. I can be the most disciplined person in the world. But at some point, I'm going to need to be feed again. You know, you've got to get me some food again. It's just, this is just a way of things, which means that for all of us, our spirit is going, what's next? What's next? What's next? There's never been a meal that satisfies you forever. And that's Jesus' point. He's asking the people one of the deepest questions in our heart. He's saying, do you know what you really want? Do, do, you, do you actually know what you're asking for? Do you know what bread you really need? So the people ask again. They say, well, how do we work for eternal life? And Jesus answers, have faith in the one God sent. And then the people say to Jesus, well, what signs are you going to perform for us? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and that was pretty great. So what are you going to do? What signs are you going to perform for us? And Jesus goes, okay, okay, okay. Jesus recognizes there's a second layer to this. It's not just that they're asking for another miracle. It's that they don't understand who he is. They're saying to, they're saying to Jesus, look, Jesus, if you're a prophet like Moses... Miracle us up some more bread. Won't you cry out to God on our behalf? You gave us food yesterday, but we're thinking now about our next meal, and, and we don't want like any bread. Give us that daily gear, the good stuff, that organic Sarah Voigt baked ancient grain stuff. Give us the really good stuff, you know? And Jesus goes, oh, oh, oh you, you think I'm like Moses? Oh, no, 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 no. This is, we're doing a whole different thing here. We're doing something different here. Because Moses didn't give your ancestors any bread. And they're like, yeah, yes, he did. And they're like, no, 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 God did. God did. Who gave them the bread? Our Father in heaven. Manna from heaven. It wasn't manna from Moses. It was manna from heaven. God was doing all the work here. He sent it to you. Moses was just the messenger. Then he pushes hard. He wants to show them, to teach them the difference between the manna from heaven and what he brings. He says, the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It's not a meal. It's a person. And it isn't just one meal, it's your eternal life. Manna will only satisfy you today. Jesus offers something that will satisfy always. Church, if you see a hungry person, feed them. Just, just feed them. Don't overthink it. Buy them a meal. Then build a relationship with them and share the gospel with them. Because tomorrow they'll need another meal. But in Jesus, they will be eternally satisfied. Amen. It's a both and. It's not a, do I share the gospel or do I buy them a meal? The answer is yes. Yeah. Buy them a meal. Satisfy their hunger right now. What do you think Jesus did? He fed the 5,000. 
and then they chase him for more. He knows what's up. How good is that marketing? They chase him around. He's like, well, let me tell you what I got for you this time. It's not bread. It's the bread of life. So then they said, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. And it's interesting because just a couple of chapters earlier in John's gospel, Jesus meets this thirsty woman at a well and, and she tells her she needs living water. And she says almost the same thing. Give me this living water. See, in the, Israel, in the desert, the Israelites, they come across bitter water and they get Moses to cry out to God for good water. And then they have no bread and they get Moses to cry out to God for bread. Moses is that obnoxious guy who's on the dining table with you at a restaurant who's always asking the waiter for free bread and you're all embarrassed because you're paying for meals here and he's freeloading, getting all that bread for you. You know who you are, by the way. But he doesn't order once, Moses. He orders again and again and again and again and again and again. Daily bread. Daily bread. The provision needs to be new every morning. But Jesus doesn't have to make an order. He is the order. He is the meal. He doesn't need to ask for the water or for the bread because he himself is the living water and the bread of life. He's not the messenger. He's the message. He's not the one asking. He is himself the provision. So the Israelites say, where's my daily bread? And Jesus says, you're thinking too small. You're just thinking too small right now. See, they've been focused on their daily provision. Jesus says, forget about that. God's got that covered. Worry about your eternal provision. Friends, you might be here today and you've just come out of COVID and you, you are shook. Like, frankly, you are a mess. You maybe lost your job. You've been stuck indoors for months. You've been fearful for the health of family, of friends, of yourself. Your mental health might have been really poor during this time. Can I just tell you, these are all real things. This is daily bread stuff, stuff we cry out for. God wants to hear our hearts. Don't be ashamed to pray those prayers. But Jesus wants to challenge you not to get stuck on that. Don't get stuck on the circumstances of today when Jesus is trying to lead you into something eternal. Don't get stuck on your daily bread only when Jesus is the bread of life. The problem with the Israelites in the desert is they kept saying more, the next bread, the next bread. And God was trying to say, the promised land is this way. Stop complaining about your daily bread. Chase after the promised land. Stop complaining about your needs for today. I've got your needs for today covered. In fact, if you go further through the Sermon on the Mount after the Lord's Prayer, this is what Jesus said. He's talking about how we get anxious and caught up in our daily bread. And he says, listen, listen, listen. Just seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all of that stuff that'll come. I'll look after that. It'll be fine. But seek God's righteousness first. Put all your faith in Jesus for your eternal provision and trust God. Remember, we walked through this. Your loving Heavenly Father, He loves you. Trust Him for your daily needs. Jesus for your eternal provision, God for your daily bread. You're going to be okay, church. Because when you have the bread of life, you are equipped and enabled in, with peace, wisdom, and stability to deal with all your daily dramas. So then we get to the death of Jesus. And before Jesus dies, he gathers his disciples around him for the Passover meal, back to the Passover again. 
bread and wine, and he gives them this beautiful, confusing invitation to eat his body and drink his blood in remembrance of him. And believe me, if this is new for you, this was at least as confusing and upsetting for his disciples. They had no idea what he was talking about. But he goes on and he says, the bread is like my body, and the wine is like my blood. He says, this represents a new covenant, a new promise between God and his people. But if this is Passover, if this is about provision, if this is about the angel of death and life for all, where's the lamb? Because the lamb's the main centerpiece of the Passover meal, you know? You, you cook the roast lamb up, you take the blood, you smear it on the, on the door frame. You had the bitter herbs, there's the bitter herbs, there's the wine, there's the flatbread. Where is the lamb? You can't celebrate Passover without lamb. But Jesus himself is the lamb. And this is what Tim Keller said. He says, there was no lamb on the table because the lamb of God was at the table. The lamb, the sacrifice, the Passover meal, they all find their home in Jesus, the bread of life, the true lamb of God, the firstborn son of God the Father who is struck down by death, the sacrifice who guarantees our freedom. Jesus is your Passover lamb and mine. He himself is the sacrifice on our behalf, the bread of life for us, the cup of the new covenant, the living water became the sacrificial lamb for us. This is from Keller again. He says, on the cross, Jesus got what we deserved. The sin, the guilt and brokenness of the world fell upon him. He loved us so much. He took divine justice on himself so that we could be passed over forever. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.